Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Welcome to New Heights. Listen, if you're watching online, I just wanted to take a second and say thank you for doing so. Many people watch our services live and then the replays throughout the week. And it means the world to us that you would take time out of your day and do that. But I did want to say this. If you're ever in College Station, Texas, we want you to come out to a New Heights Church service live. I promise we'll make you feel right at home. All right. Somebody say knock, knock. Who's there? (laughs) All right. All right. So this is the last week of our knock, knock series. Have y'all enjoyed it at all? Has it helped you in any way? Good. So I've, I've, I've kind of tried to, I've tried to get my kids enlisted and and different people. And they've sent me different knock, knock jokes because I've tried to start every service with a funny knock, knock joke. Sometimes they were funny. Sometimes they were not. This time I had to dig real deep, okay? I had to go to the internet. <laughs> but here's the truth. The only way a good knock-knock joke works is you got to have great participation. So when I say knock-knock, what do you guys say? Who's there? All right, here goes. Last one of the whole series, if you laugh. If you don't, I'm going to make one up on the spot. All right, here we go. You ready? Knock-knock. Britney Spears. Knock, knock. Oops, I did it again. (laughs) Buford just looked at Mildred and said, Britney, what? (laughs) Moving on. Somebody say, preach, preacher. All right, Luke chapter five. The scripture says in Revelations three twenty, behold, I stand at the door and knock and anybody will open that door. He'll come in and dine or sup. He'll eat with you and he'll live life with you. The series we've been talking about on knock, knock starts with the number one door you have to open is the door to your heart. Jesus knocks on the door to your heart and he is asking to come in and live with you And make every facet of your life better. Also, as we go through life, you can live one foot in and one foot out. And when you do that, you're never going to experience the fullness that God has from you. Furthermore, as we continue in the process, we have to decide what doors we're going to actually go through and what doors we're going to stay on the outside of. Because there's certain things that you don't have to experience as a believer. There's certain positions and situations you can put yourself in that you don't have to be in. But today I want to talk about uh, an example that Jesus sets and multiple examples that Jesus sets whenever he actually begins to recruit his disciples. Luke chapter 5 verse number 1. This is when Jesus is about to meet the disciple named Simon. Now Simon's a very interesting guy. Uh, Simon is a lot like you and me. Matter of fact, if you've, if you've ever read the New Testament, you'll read about Simon and you'll see yourself a lot in who he is because, uh, one, Simon had a little bit of a temper. Uh, Simon threw a cussing fit. Uh, Simon tried to get into a fist fight, uh, or at a sword fight with a guy. Uh, Simon, uh, in his, in his probably his worst moment in in our our recorded our the recordings we have of his life he denied Jesus three times and this is after he had walked with Jesus so uh, it really helps you and me because you know Simon is not that unusual as a matter of fact the problem is when we get to know Jesus we start to feel like man I, I should not have fallen this way again, and that's true, but the imperative thing to understand is Jesus is ready to pick you back up again, not to hold you down. 
So I thank God for Simon who became Peter in our Bible. And Jesus looked at Simon, the one who would eventually deny him. And he said to him, he says, he says, Peter, he says, look, he goes, he said, who do people say that I am? And, and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is important because Jesus cannot just be a good guy to you. He can't just be a good idea to you. Christianity cannot just be a facet of your life. He is either the son of the living God and the answer to all mankind's issues, or he is not. And if he is not to you, then you'll find yourself outside the sheepfold, outside the grouping of those that have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. But if you will recognize that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, now you have been, now you will be granted complete and total access to the father and complete and total access to the kingdom of God, which is at hand even now. That means it is accessible even now. So this is a very, very important story because Jesus is about to make some things known to the disciples that they had never known. Nobody had ever told them. They're about to see love incarnate walking around, literally changing people's lives while he is changing their own life. Has Jesus ever changed your life? Just say amen. Amen. So here we are, Luke chapter five. The Bible says it came to pass that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. I believe we're coming back to that. I believe this is the season right now where we are feeling the wind of revival begin to flow into the church once again. I'm feeling it when I, when I walk in the room, there's a very distinct difference when you are ministering in a room where people are trying to receive the word of God and ministering in a room where people are not looking to receive. It is significantly different. It is no more. It, let me tell you how, how different it is. Everybody has a car or you've driven a car, you gassed up a car, you go to the gas station and you, 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 the first thing you do is you take the, the, the lid off of your gas, the gas cap off of your car. You take the nozzle, stick it in and squeeze the handle. You fill up the car, easy as pie. If you're ever ministering and people are not trying to receive, it's like trying to put fuel in a car and nobody will take the gas cap off. That's what it's like. That's, that is not what's going on right now. This season that we're in, I can't speak for the entire body of Christ, but I can speak for New Heights Church. The season that we are in right now, there is a pressing to receive the word of God. I think it is a, I think it is a phenomenal opportunity to experience some of the things that God actually has for us. If you've never been to one of our Wednesday night services, you've got to get here. The glory of God is so tangible in those services right now. We're just in a season where God is doing exceptional things. And that's what Jesus is experiencing here. It says it came to pass the people pressed upon him, but they didn't just press upon him. They wanted the word. When you want the word of God, you'll do anything to get it. There's never been a day and age where it was easier than it is right now to receive the word of God. People have given their lives, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have been martyred trying to learn to read or trying to find a Bible or trying to just be able to have a taste of the word of God. I saw a video one time over in China where somebody had had smuggled in a bunch of Bibles and they opened the suitcase and the, the, it was an underground church. They weren't supposed to be having church in this area and the people were in tears and they were clawing each other and climbing just to get those Bibles and they were hugging them and they were squeezing them to their cheek because they understood the, the answers to life's greatest problems are in that book. The, the answers to the, to the depths of your soul, the problems on the inside of you are found in that book. The keys to life itself are found in that book. And I believe we're in a time right now where we're, we're getting back to that place where the people are saying, man, I'm ready to receive the word. And they are pressing to hear and receive the word of God. If that's you, can you give God a big hand of praise? So he stood by the lake 
And the scripture says in verse two, he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and they were washing their nets. So the fishermen were there and they were washing their nets. Uh, just revert back to my previous comment. God seldom calls or never calls the lazy. Verse three. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust the boat out a little bit from the land. And Jesus sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. So the picture is this. They're, they're standing at the, at the, at the, at the sea and, and there's two ships sitting there and the people are, are just trying to, Jesus, tell us a little bit more about love. Tell us about, uh, more about your dad. Tell us more, Jesus. Tell us more, Jesus. But they're, they're, they're pressing upon him and, and so there's not room enough for everybody to hear. So he looks over and he says, Hey, Simon, can I borrow your boat for a minute? Now, Simon's boat is very interesting. This was not just a pleasure craft. This was not a, 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 a ski boat. This was not just a, a pontoon boat that him and his buddies and his family went out and, and caught cr- uh, catfish off of for fun. This was his business. This is what he did for a living. He went and caught fish and sold fish for a living. So Jesus said, uh, effectively, Simon, can I have access to your business? Can I have access, let me say it differently, to every part of your life? Or can I just have access to your Sunday morning? Can I just have access to your 1045 p.m. when you can barely hold your eyes open because of how hard the day is and you're trying to remind yourself to pray and you say, oh God, thank you for this day. What part of your life does he have access to? Because the part of your life that you're willing to give him access is the part that he's going to put his hand on. And every part that he'll put his hand on, he will bless. So the scripture says, Simon, can I borrow your boat? And he says, sure, you can borrow my boat. And he pushes it back off the shore a little bit. And and Simon's business becomes a pulpit for Jesus to preach a seaside message. So he's beginning to preach a seaside message. And, and everything is beginning to, uh, 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 the people are hearing the word of God. They're receiving the word of God. Simon is undoubtedly hearing what's going on. And the scripture says, verse four, now when he was done speaking or when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. So the first thing that happened is Simon gave him access to his business and instantly Jesus got involved in his business because fishing to Simon was his business. It was his occupation. It's how he provided for his family. Jesus said, can I have access to every part of your life? Which part of your life are you going to withhold? Because that's the part of your life that Jesus won't operate in. But every part of your life that you'll hand him the keys to, he'll make it better. So he says to him, he says, he says, he says, can I, he said, can I borrow your boat? He said, you can borrow my boat. He gets done doing what he wanted done. In other words, Simon first gave Jesus access. Jesus did kingdom work. Then, then as soon as he was done teaching, he, he turned around to Simon. He said, now I'm going to bless what you have put in my hand. Number one, somebody say number one. Number one, if you're going to see God. In 2019, do in your life everything he wants to do in your life. You're going to have to put him first. There is no other way. There is no other way that you can access the things of God or experience the things of God unless you're putting him first. Now, let me just say this as a caveat. It's nine o'clock or so on a Sunday morning. You're in church. You've got your kids up. They might have two different shoes on, but praise the Lord, they're in the house of God. You are putting God first right now. 100%. He is paying attention to decisions like this. So when Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday rolls around, don't you let the devil lie to you and say, you don't trust God anyway. You look at him and you say, where was I Sunday morning, devil? Because when you decide to make the first morning of the first day of the week and you commit that to God, God begins to bless the rest of the week. But if you're going to see God move, the first thing you got to commit to is he's got to be first. Somebody say first. 
God cannot be last and expect God to do everything he can and wants to do in your life. He's got to be first place. One of the things that I wish Christians, I, I like the term, I know it comes from some, from a sincere position, but it seems like when, when everything's gone to hell in a handbasket, that's whenever we begin to shrug our shoulders and say, well, all we can do now is pray. I like to think, well, why didn't we pray from the very beginning? Prayer is not a, an occasion to complain towards heaven. Prayer moves heaven on earth. Prayer changes situations. Prayer causes prodigal sons to come home. Prayer causes uh, uh, sicknesses to flee. Prayer causes things to change in your life. Prayer will get you a promotion that you don't even qualify for. Prayer changes everything, but most importantly, prayer will change you. You start praying and God will start softening your heart. You start praying and God will start opening your eyes to new opportunities that you didn't even see. You start praying and God begins to shift things in your life. The first thing we've got to do if we're going to see God move in 2019 is we have to keep God first. Somebody say, put God first. I'm talking first place. I'm talking at the restaurant, in a busy restaurant. You're about to eat dinner with your family and you say, okay, babies, let's pray. Like, like in a restaurant, like with people around. I'm talking about in a restaurant with people around. Now look, you don't have to stand on the table and, and, you know, thus saith the Lord, we're about to eateth our foodeth, praise the Lord, and we're about to pray. But no, you put him first place. Now look, you don't have to pray over the appetizer. Nobody does that. I don't know why we don't ask God to bless the onion rings. You know what I'm saying? It's the main course. That's it. Don't get religious, you know. I don't know why we don't pray. You know what I'm talking about. Like the appetizer gets there and everybody just eats like a bunch of slop hogs. And then all of a sudden, the food starts coming out. And it's like, okay. Let us pray. I don't know why. But keep him first. Somebody say first. Keep God first place in your life. Verse five, the Bible says, Simon answered him and said, master, we have toiled all night. We fished all night long and we don't have anything. We've, we've taken nothing. Colon. Nevertheless. I understand we all get into complaining. We all get into explaining God why it's not going to make sense. We all get when God speaks to our heart. And let me tell you the ways that God can speak to you, okay? This is a side note. God can speak to you and your heart and you can know something that you didn't know. Or you can read that Bible and find out something you didn't know. When you read that Bible, that is God speaking to you. That is God talking directly to you. What that book says applies to you and comes from heaven itself. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit and written by man's hand under the unction of the Holy Spirit. When we read this Bible out loud, it is God speaking to you. Somebody say amen. So the scripture says... He, he, Simon says, well, yeah, and this, this is how he probably did it if, if I had to guess. Okay, preacher, yeah, that was a good sermon. But I am a fisher man, okay? I fish. You preach, I fish. That's really good. I'm, I'm glad that all these people want to hear you talk. But I catch fish for a living. Don't you think I know where the fish are? Listen, I fished all night. We didn't catch anything. The fish aren't here. And he went through all of this. And he's probably like you and me. He's only saying about 5% of what he's actually thinking. Oh, y'all have all got that filter. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When somebody gives you just a dumb idea and you go, and then they say, what do you think about that? And instead of telling them what you think, you go, you know what? That might work. <laughs> Jesus said, i tell you what, launch out, drop your nets 
and let's catch some fish. And Simon says, look, all right, preacher, I fished all night. I didn't catch anything. But the most important part, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Somebody say, at your word. Number two, number one, we got to keep God first. Number two, obedience to God's word can defy your current experience. Obedience to God's word can defy your current experience. His current experience was no fish. Nevertheless, his current experience was this is probably going to be a waste of time in the natural. Nevertheless, his current experience is I'm the fisherman. You're the preacher. You're telling me this thing. I don't think it's the best thing to do. But nevertheless, at your word, there are parts of your Bible that you just have to do out of obedience and they will never add up by the world standards. They will never add up by the world standards. The fact, the fact that you're a tither, the fact that you take 10% of your hard-earned living, the first 10%, and you sow it into the kingdom of God, and then you offer on top of that, by the world standard, that will never, ever, ever make sense. You're not going to be able to make it make sense by the world standard. You cannot go and find... Hey, if they're just looking by the world standards, just doing normal math, you can't go find a financial advisor that says, I'll tell you what you should do. First thing you should do is you should give away 10% of everything that you have. Sometimes obeying God's word is going to defy your experience. God is not interested in us being able to explain or understand everything because the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith requires an element of the unknown to actually operate. The fact that you don't know all the answers proves that you have faith that God's going to do exactly what he said he would do. The fact that you can't see all the answers, the fact that you nevertheless, the fact that you shrug your shoulders, the fact that you were passed over for the, for the promotion that 17 prophets came to you and said, thus saith the Lord, you're going to receive the promotion. And then you get passed over for the promotion. You've got to get to the place where you said, well, I thought that was going to happen. I toiled all night. I fished all night. But nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to rise up again and I'm going to continue to trust that you're going to do exactly what you said you were going to do in my life. There has to be a place where the nevertheless overtakes all the information that you have. Because you might find yourself in the middle of a bad report one day. And if you can't stab a nevertheless in the middle of that situation, you're going to lose hope. And the minute you lose hope, now all of a sudden you're one step away from defeat. But if you can hold on to hope like an anchor, if you can hold on to the promises of God and never let them go. One Bible verse says that there was a man that fought so long and hard for the things of God that his sword would not even fall from his hand. His hand had cramped up around it. I wish somebody would commit to fight so strong that they couldn't drop this Bible if they wanted to. I want my hands seized around this word. There has to be a place where nevertheless becomes the standard in your life when challenges come. I don't understand everything, but nevertheless, at your word. Your husband or wife walks in and, and says something crazy and you say, well, I wasn't expecting that, but nevertheless, he called me to love him. I'm going to love him. Somebody says something crazy to you. Nevertheless, you choose to forgive them whether they ever accept it or not. Whether they ever change or not. You choose to forgive them. Nevertheless, at your word. I wish somebody would begin to stand on God's word. There is something so strong about this Bible. 
It will change every portion of your life. It will get down into the very epicenter of who you are and begin to do surgery that no man or woman could ever do in your life. Begins to change you from glory to glory. The first thing we got to do is we got to keep God first. The second thing we have to understand, sometimes your experience is going to defy, God's word is going to defy your experience. You're going to have to hold on when nobody else is holding on. Don't you know, Simon, he at least had two boats. So he was probably a pretty prominent fisherman. And they see him going out there and they're going, where are you going, Simon? And Simon's like, um, going fishing again. What do you mean fishing? We fish at night. There's no fish here. And Simon's like, I'm aware that there's no fish. Well, why are you going fishing? Well, I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to give it, but, but Simon, you're wasting time. You're going to have to clean your net again. You're going to have to do all this. It's, the preacher said he, we're going to go fishing. I'm going fishing. Oh, we got a holy roller now. We got a Bible thumper. We got one of them ones who believes God. Oh, go ahead, Christian man, Simon man, going out there. Okay, Mr. Holy Roller. Let's see it's happening. Woo! Why are you going to church on Sunday morning so much, Simon? Why are you trusting God so much? How come every time somebody gives you bad news, you start quoting the Bible? How come? How come all this is going on? And Simon's just going, I know. See, nothing's new under the sun. They're enduring everything. They're enduring in our Bible everything you and I are currently enduring now. I'm just asking you to row out and throw your net. Somebody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless. The Bible says, verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. So they began to sink. Now, this is very important. Because a boat sinking blessing of fish to a fisherman means financial increase had hit. Simon the Fisherman Incorporated. But it didn't just hit Simon. It hit his partners. It hit the other boat. And now everybody that was watching Jesus preach is watching these guys trying to figure out what are we going to do with this blessing that is literally overtaking us. Don't you remember Malachi says he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive? I would say fish making your boat sink is a blessing they don't have room enough to receive. That's why they had to call the other, that's why they had to call the other boat over. So the first thing we gotta do is we gotta keep God first in our life. We keep God first in our life. You're gonna run into some blessings that you're not ready to receive. The reason this is so important is because all those people who are watching you, who are questioning why you live the way you live, who are making fun, who are trying to figure out why will they just take it too far and they just this, they need to see your boat getting so full of fish that nobody could deny that God is in the middle of the situation. God needs you to be blessed so that everybody can see the hand of God on your life. Almost sunk the boats. That means if you're a home builder, that means you get a call and and somebody wants you to build a hundred homes this year. That's what a boat sinking with fish to a fisherman is. Crystal grew up down by the, the coast and I would go down there and sometimes we'd be on our dates and I'd take her to real fancy places like, you know, the fish market. And I'd love to go out back of those fish market and they had these big uh, uh, nets and, and, and big like uh, uh, boxed in areas that would have a net in them. They'd keep the fish in there, and you could you'd know if they had a lot of fish or not because you could look down and see the fish. Fish to a fisherman is a blessing. 
Jesus began to get right in the middle of Peter's, of Simon's business because Simon, the first thing he did was give him access to his business. Did you know God will give you ideas on how to get uh, not just new customers, but the best customers for your business? Did you know God will give you ideas so that you can uh, uh, learn how to excel at your job so that the, when the promotion comes around, they have to give it to you even if they don't like you? The Bible says he began to sink their boat with fish. This would have never happened if Peter had not, in spite of what he had already experienced, decided, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do what you said. Give God a big hand of praise today. You're ready to do what he says. Verse 8 says this. Peter was astonished. Simon was astonished. And all that were with him were astonished. At the draught or the massive catch of fish which they had taken. Verse 8, let me go back there. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Number three, we have to follow him in grace. Number one, we have to keep God first. Number two, sometimes your experience is not going to look like what God's telling you to do. But number three, you have to follow him in grace. Jesus knew what kind of man Simon was before he got in the boat. But he still got in the boat. See, he's, it's not that he's looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who will give him access. Amen. Remember, he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who will open the door, he'll come into your life and he will live with you. The Bible says closer than any family member you have. And any friend that you have, he wants to be so close to you that we can't see where you stop and he starts. But we have to follow him in that grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say, for God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son. We cannot be so Christian that we lose our fervency for the lost. Because the very people doing the stuff that disgusts you are the people that he declared he loved so much he let Jesus die for. Now, don't get it twisted. That doesn't mean that you have to go subject yourself to a bunch of nonsense. Doesn't mean leave your kids and grandchildren unprotected, uncovered, or anything like that. But the world is our goal, not our enemy. The ways of the world personally are your enemy, meaning you want to abstain from sin. But the world, those that are far from God, those are the, that is precisely the people that he loves so much he was willing to die for. So we must be ready to follow him in grace, meaning before I got in your boat, I knew the kind of man you were and I was ready to forgive you in an instant. Before I went into your fishing vessel, I knew the kind of person you are. 
And I chose not to hold it against you. On the contrary, I chose to use you for my purpose. That's why the rascals in your life that you know, and the reason I know that you know some rascals is because you used to be one. Oh, I'm sorry. I tilted some halos when I said that. Everybody was like, "Hun, did I put my halo on this morning? I'm pretty sure I put it on. Let, let me just say something. The people around you that are the worst, quotation marks, worst of the worst of the worst are the ones that God is calling sometimes the most. Because if they'll act that crazy away from him, they'll act that crazy for him. Simon said, you got to get away from me. He said, I'm a sinner. All right, let's go back. Number one, we got to keep God first. Number two, you're going to be experiencing some things and God's word is going to ask you to defy what you're experiencing. Obedience to that word is the life-changing aspect that you and I have the opportunity to walk in. The scripture says that Jesus, one of the first things that he did was he got baptized. And right before he left, one of the last things he said was go into all the world, preach the gospel, and baptize people. If you've never been baptized, this Wednesday night, you can be baptized. And your experience might say, what's the difference? Is that special water? The water is just water. But the obedience can change your whole life. If you've never been baptized or you feel like you need to be baptized again, you can do that right here on Wednesday night. Stop by the light wall after service. They'll get you all the information. Simple obedience. Nothing in my personal life has been more influential than making the house of God a priority. Week in, week out. Week in, week out. When I liked what was being preached, when I didn't like what was being preached. Usually when you don't like it, that's usually an indication of an area you need to change. When I liked the music, when I didn't like the music. When the crowd looked like me, when the crowd didn't look like me. When they were my age, when they weren't my age. When they had this, when they didn't have this. When the chairs were comfortable, when I was, when we were sitting on two by twelves. Making the house of God. Why? Because in the natural, it'll never make sense. You know what? I could mow the yard this morning. I could, you know what? We could go fishing. We could, we could, we could go play golf this morning. You know what? We could go do this. And I'm not saying never a vacation or anything like that. Matter of fact, we encourage that. I'm just saying making the house of God a priority in your life goes against what you can experience in the natural, but it will change every facet of your life. Number three, you have to follow him in grace. Somebody say grace. Grace. You've got to know the people you're going to come in contact with. They're not going to act like heaven because they've never been there. But we're still called to reach them. They were all amazed and astonished. Verse nine says that all the fish... Verse 10, so was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. From this moment on, you're going to catch people. Another recollection of the same stories where we get the very popular phrase, you'll be a fisher of men. And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So they get done. God blesses them. Simon falls on his knees and says, Jesus, you got to get away from me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus didn't say, you're right, get away. He said, Simon, he said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb and from this moment on 
I'm going to teach you to catch people like I just showed you to catch fish. Simon says, you got to get away from me. And Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Simon says, I'm a sinner. See, the moment of conversion is the moment you have access to unrestricted heaven in your life. Jesus knew Simon was a sinner, like all of us. But when Simon confessed he was a sinner, now Jesus can use that. When you're arrogant and you act like you don't do anything wrong, he'll use somebody else. And if you're arrogant for long enough, he'll use somebody else to do what he was calling you to do and you'll have to watch them do it. But if you'll allow humility to guide you and say, whoa, 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 Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus said, look, I knew who you were before I got on the boat. And I got on the boat anyway because I know there's something on the inside of you. See, you just think you're a floundering fisherman, but I know you're the rock. And I'm going to use you to build my church. I'm going to need people at New Heights Church to read and hear your story, Simon. I'm going to need them to know what I'll do in any situation. So for you and me, it's, I think, pretty simple. He said, Simon, he said, now that you're converted, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Number four. You got to throw the net. You can go down to Academy today and buy all the best fishing gear, all the nets and lures and rods and reels. You can put them in the back of your car, your pickup truck, and you will never catch a fish if that's where they stay. The first step in catching a fish is throwing the net. And God didn't call you to just catch fish. He called you to catch people. That's why sometimes your heart breaks when you walk by somebody and you can't tell why. You don't know why. Why why did all of a sudden I get sad when I walk by that person? That's because God was leading you to say something to them. Well, what happens if I'm rejected? You know how many times I'm an exceptional fisherman. I don't mind telling you. I catch them... This big and bigger, just all the time. All fishermen exaggerate. You know how many times I've thrown my line and didn't catch a fish? You're going to have to clean your net if you throw it out there, but I'll never catch anything if I don't throw it out there. My son likes to use a cast net. I don't know if you guys know what a cast net is. It's a big circle net, and you have to throw it just right, and it'll spin out there, and it'll land. And if there's fish, you'll catch a lot of fish right there. And if there's limbs, logs, and rocks, you'll catch that too. And every time you catch a bunch of sticks, it's going to tear your net a little bit. You're going to have to spend five, ten minutes picking out all the sticks and limbs from the net. But you'll never catch a fish if you don't throw it. What happens if if they reject me? They rejected him. I count it all joy to be a partaker of a portion of the suffering of Christ. What happens if they don't want to serve Jesus? What if they don't accept? What what happens if, if that happens? Look, let me tell you what will happen. Your heart will break. Because all of those insecurities fade when you hear somebody either reject him, your heart breaks, or they begin to accept him, and now everything changes. And let me just tell you, one fish is worth all the sticks and all the rocks and all the hang-ups 
and all the broken lines and all the issues. But you've got to throw the net. When you go to work and you get paid to be around people for 40, 60 hours a week, have you ever considered the fact that God might have put them in your life so that you could witness to them while you're there? Oh, well, you know what? We're not supposed to talk about that. You got to eat lunch. Throw the net. Well, how do I throw the net? There's a thousand ways to do it. A thousand. And I don't want to make it because I know it can be intimidating. All I'm saying is don't let the intimidation factor stop you from catching people. If you've ever been fishing and caught a fish, you want to catch another one. It's the same way with souls. As soon as you catch one, as soon as you have a successful encounter, now all of a sudden, all of the rough encounters just fade. They just, they just diminish, just, just like that. You say, what happens if I miss it? If you miss it, dust yourself off and keep moving forward. If right now you're thinking about times in the past where you feel like God was telling you to do something, you didn't say it, this is not to put you under a place of condemnation. God's not holding that against you. I'm talking about from this point forward. What are you going to do? Throw the net. What, what do I say? It can be as simple as, hey, just a side note, do you need prayer for anything? I'd love to pray for you. Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe you yeah, like my... My chihuahua. He's been sneezing. Okay. Pray for the chihuahua. When, when, when you feel that little feeling to call somebody or text somebody or whatever. A lot of times that's God saying, will you throw the net? I can't tell you how many times we go and get in the car and I'll just go, I'll be right back. The other night, Crystal and I were on a date at dinner. Same thing. We just got done witnessing to somebody. We had a great time. It was good. I walk all the way and I'm almost at the car and somebody's face stuck out to me when we were walking through the restaurant. Just their face. That's it. And I thought, man, that would be so weird to walk up and say, your face stuck out to me. (laughs) So I'm having this conversation on the inside. I fished all night, Jesus. I don't want to throw the net. There's no fish here. This all going on in my head. That's my inside voice, (laughs) inside my head voice. I need to change that one. (laughs) I get out of the parking lot. Baby, I'll be right back. I walk back in and say, hey, how's it going? I'm Brian Hallam. They're just looking at me like, I'm trying to eat. <laughs> I said, well, I, said, I just want you to know there's a really good church in town. I'd love to invite you out. Can I leave this card with you? You can check out the website, everything, but I'd love to have you come visit our church. Now, they didn't fall on the floor start crying, talk about how good Jesus is. They just nodded their head and said, thank you. But I walked back out to the parking lot knowing I threw the net. Because you never catch a fish if you don't throw the net. Before you leave, the ushers are going to be at the, at the door on the way out. I want everybody to take two or three of these cards. We'll make it as easy as possible. As easy as possible to invite somebody to church. Next week, I'm starting a new sermon series. I'm calling it Ships. You don't want to miss it. Navigating relationships God's way. Husband, wife, business relationships, friends, family, extended family. We're going to cover them all over the next couple weeks. How do you navigate relationships? Everybody is in this category. Everybody needs help trying to figure out even the casual relationships that you have. 
How do I navigate that appropriately? What, what, is God trying to use me? Is he not trying to use me? What's going on? You take this card and you just say, you know what? Uh, my pastor is super handsome. Take this card, you put it in their hand and say, listen, we go to a really great church. I'd love to have you come out. Really? Okay. I've been looking for a church. Awesome. I'll be there at the nine o'clock. I'll save you a seat. Think you can be there? Yeah. You better save them a seat now. We're running out of chairs. Somebody say, throw the net. We've got a closed service here in just a minute. I've spent a lot of time kind of idling my engine this morning because I really sense a significant residue of the glory of God in this place. And it's moments like this that can change your whole life when, when, when you decide, I'm going to keep God first. I'm not going to look at all my circumstances to determine whether or not I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow him in grace. I'm going to give grace upon grace. I'm going to be known for giving grace. That's what I'll be known for. And lastly, you got to throw the net. you got to take a crack at it. you got to try. You miss every ball you don't swing at. You miss every shot you don't take. You got to throw the net. How do I know that I'm supposed to do that? If you're a Christian, you're supposed to. If we don't do it, who will? What if nobody told you about Jesus? What if nobody had invited you to church? Where would I be? You only know a hopeless case. If not for grace, very quietly, let's stand to our feet. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.